What's Up podcast. Today's episode is with Dr. Payal Gupta. She's a New York City allergist and immunologist, and she talks to us today about allergies, food sensitivities, gluten sensitivities, dispels a bunch of myths regarding these things, and really provides a lot of good information that basically every single person should know. Uh, So if you're someone with allergies yourself, or if you have a kid, or if you have a family member, or someone you know who might have allergies, this podcast is good to listen to because uh, you'll get some really valuable information from it. So without further ado, here's Dr. Pail Gupta. Hi, everyone. Um, So yep, I'm an allergist immunologist, uh, which means I actually work with adults and kids, and I treat... um, allergies at of the eyes and nose, food allergies, immune disorders, and also um, work with people who have asthma, skin issues related to allergies also. Awesome. Awesome. So this is a little bit of a, of a selfish podcast because I'm someone who suffers from allergies. <laughs> Since ever since I was a kid, I've always had allergies. You know, they are the they are my demise during the spring, um, especially this year. They've been really bad. So it's going to be a selfish podcast, but I hope everybody listening also can benefit from this podcast because I know a lot of us, a lot of people have allergies. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you, uh, just you know, kind of just jumping right into this, is what exa- What are allergies for people who don't know? What are they? What is going on? What's happening? Um, so essentially, allergies are, um, it's the immune system reacting in a way that it shouldn't to things that we're normally exposed to. So uh, things in the environment like cats, dogs, trees, grasses will cause the immune system to release um, different chemicals in the body. Mostly the histamine is responsible for um, most of the damage that's caused, but histamine essentially causes a lot of issues like itching, uh, swelling, uh, and inflammation all over the body. So that's essentially what allergies are. They're just an abnormal reaction that the body has to things that we should react normally to. And that can happen with environmental triggers, and it can also happen with food triggers. Beautiful. And have you noticed, I'm just kind of curious, have you noticed an increase in allergies over the last years? I know I've talked to a lot of people this year who have said, you know, I've never had allergies before. This year is the first year I've had allergies. Have you been hearing that at all? Yes, definitely. So there's a couple different reasons for that. Um, The big one for environmental allergies is global warming. So we know that global warming is causing elevated CO2 and that elevated CO2 actually causes plants to feel endangered. And when they feel endangered, they release Mm. more pollen. And the more pollen they release, the more allergic we are to it. So every year people will feel like their allergies are getting worse. And it's essentially caused by that constant like change in our environment, that whole um, polar vortex and the like really cold winters that cause these huge, like hot summers, all of that contributes to an increase in allergies. Mm. So basically what you're saying is that my allergies are not going to get any better. (laughs) No, unfortunately. Um, And I I mean, every year in New York City, I hear the same thing. I was fine. And then the last like year, it feels worse. Last year is worse. The year before it's worse. So every year people just feel like things are getting worse. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, so what are, what are some things that we can do to kind of improve our allergy symptoms? Um, especially for people with seasonal allergies, 
what are just some common, uh, you know, hacks that we can do to really, you know, get more besides just the medications? Because we all know we can take um, Allegra or Zyrtec and things like that. But what are some other things that we can do to improve our allergies? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, I really think that if you know, I think that knowing what you're allergic to is super important. And once you know what you're allergic to, then um, then it's easier to control and change um, different environmental factors that might help. So, you know, that's what I do every single day is I help people understand what they're allergic to. And we do that by doing the skin testing or we can do a blood test, but the skin test is a little bit more sensitive. So essentially, once you know that, hey, you know what, I'm allergic to trees, grasses, weeds, also dust mites, cockroaches, cats, dogs. And let's say you have... You know, let's say you don't have any animals, but you have, um, but you definitely, you know, everyone's exposed to dust mites. So you know that year round, there's something that's triggering your allergies and things that you can do for dust mite allergies are washing your sheets in hot water once a week, um, which is hard for a lot of us, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, and a lot of, I mean, I know living in New York city, a lot of laundromats in New York city don't even have hot water. So just making sure that you're actually washing your sheets in hot water is super important because we are essentially allergic to not actually the dust mite, which, you know, you can't really see with the bare eye. We're allergic to their feces. So we're allergic to their droppings. And over time, um, you know, those droppings can accumulate and they also live off the flaking of our skin. So you're mostly exposed to dust mites through your bedding, sheets, sofas, things like that. But mostly at night, that's where we spend most of our night, like, you know, shedding all of our skin. So that's really where most of the dust mite exposure comes from. So yes, washing your sheets in hot water for dust mites, also getting um, pillow covers, dust mite covers for your Mm -hmm. pillows. I mean, none of these things are going to be foolproof, awesome, perfect. Everything's great, but they will help. Mm -hmm. Um, What the dust mite covers do is they don't allow the dust mites to go inside the pillow and poop essentially (laughs) so that after a while your entire pillow is full of dust mite feces which is what we don't want so um so yeah that's those are two easy things that you can do for dust mite allergies for pollen allergies you know everyone wants to open their windows just like me i want to open my windows um have the fresh air coming in but during pollen season you really can't do that if you're allergic you know mm-hmm. you have to keep your windows um shut because if you keep them open all of that pollen is actually going to come inside your home mm-hmm. and you're essentially sleeping in a park you know which right. is not good for you um and then if you are allergic to a cat or dog and you have a cat or dog, you can also get an air purifier. Mm-hmm. Um, air purifiers are really good for animal dander. Um, they're also good for pollen, actually, but they're not good for dust mites mm-hmm. or cockroach allergies um, just because the allergens aren't really in the air, which is what air purifiers get rid of. They're more kind of settled down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And then the last thing I always mention to patients is the nasal saline wash. So nasal saline wash is like technically a natural way, you know, to keep everything clean. So I think of it like brushing your teeth. If you rinse everything out of your nose, which is really, you know, your nose is where it's kind of like the filter to your whole body. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything goes through the nose. So if your nose is totally swollen and irritated because of all the allergens, you're going to just keep getting sicker and sicker. So if we keep the nose nice and clean and clear, then people don't tend to feel as miserable. So I like saline washes like the neti pot, Mm -hmm. um, 
the only thing you have to be really careful about is keeping that whole system clean. A lot of people start doing it, but then they'll just kind of keep it in their, in, in their bathtub and it'll start looking all crazy, but they don't really pay attention to it. And then what we started noticing was that people were actually injecting mold into their sinuses. So then people were coming in with these crazy infections and we realized it was because of their neti pot and not really cleaning it out. So, you know, there's definitely lots of like different natural kind of remedies and different things that you can do environmentally to help with your allergies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, so I, then, I want to kind of, I want to focus on the seasonal allergies for a second, just because yeah. number one, because I'm being selfish, but number two, because that seems to be most people's problems is the, the, the seasonal allergies, at least during allergy season, which we're mm-hmm. kind of getting over right now that we're, at least I've gotten over them up, up till now. Um, what are the, are there anything, is there anything that we can do like natural remedies, anything that we can do, um, to lessen, you know, kind of the seriousness of how bad our allergies are? Um, so natural, I don't know if you're talking about like homeopathic or things, but or I just, mean, you know, exposures, exposures that we can avoid. Um, are there any things that kind of make your allergies worse? Like, for example, like smoking or, you know, being exposed to certain things, anything like that? Sure. I mean, smoking is, you know, terrible for lots of different reasons, but, uh, it also destroys the little cilia in your nose, which are the things that protect you from the allergens, right? So the cilia kind of are these tiny little hairs that move around and kind of clean everything out. And when you smoke, all of those get destroyed. So yes, if you're a smoker, your allergy issues, your sinus issues in general are going to be a lot worse. So, um, Yes, for sure. Stopping, quitting smoking is one of the best things you could do for yourself. (laughs) Um, Other exposures or other things, I mean, not really that you should avoid that would make things better. Not that I can think of right now. So you just got to deal with the brunt of the allergies until allergy season is over. Well, no, I think you should come and see an allergist okay. because I think so, a lot of people do do that. And, you know, there are, there, besides just the Allegra and Zyrtex of this world, there, there are, um, you know, the nasal sprays, which so, a lot of them are Dr. Gupta, the let me interrupt real quick. What can, what can you, the allergist, do for a patient that's suffering? Just so yeah. people know, so, like, like, who should come and see you? Yeah. So, you know, it is the person that just feels like their allergies just keep getting worse every year. Um, and they're kind of suffering through them, but there really isn't any reason to suffer through them. Um, you, like I said, first we would test you, we'd figure out what you're allergic to, and then it would kind of be a guide as to, you know what, you're allergic to trees. So your symptoms are going to be worse in the springtime or you're allergic to trees and grasses. So spring and summer are going to be an issue for you. And during those times, we can start you on a nasal spray, actually a couple different nasal sprays. One of them is a, a steroid nasal spray, which cuts down on the inflammation. And the second one is an antihistamine nasal spray, which is, you know, the histamine was that chemical that we were talking about earlier. So it essentially is a Zyrtec just for your nose. And I know with the use of both of those, um, we've seen people get so much better. Um, I've seen like night and day, you know, people come back and be like, oh my God, you cured me. And I haven't cured you. I've just helped you deal with their allergies better. Um, and the last thing I want to mention with that is that a lot of people buy those over the counter nasal sprays, but they won't use them for as long as they need to use them. So you can't just use them once. They really work over one to two weeks. You have to use them consistently and then, and then they'll start showing their true benefit. Awesome. 
so okay, so we talked. You and I talked earlier about uh, something called bee pollen and how people have been using this supplement. It's kind of it's become a little bit popular, I guess. Have you seen Have you seen any people using this? Yep, I've actually seen several patients um, that uh, use bee pollen, but one in particular that I will never. What are, what are they using the bee pollen for specifically? So, I mean, a lot of people think that bee pollen might help them, um, with their seasonal allergies, just as a way to kind of expose them to, um, the, the pollen that they're allergic to much like what we would do with allergy shots, which is another thing, you know, that we do to treat allergies as we give allergy shots, mm-hmm. which slowly make someone, um, non-allergic. And okay. so, People will try bee pollen to do some natural form of allergy shots, but they don't work that well. It doesn't work too well. And in addition, it's, um, you know, it can be really dangerous. So the one case that I remember, it was about 2013, she came in and her uncle had gotten some bee pollen from somewhere and uh, sprinkled it all over her um, oatmeal and essentially... uh, 10 minutes later, not even 10 minutes, I think it was two minutes later, she started to have swelling of her whole face, difficulty breathing, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. I mean, literally she almost died. They had to call 911 and, um, and she, she did okay. But when I tested her, she was allergic to every single pollen. And essentially what bee pollen is for those people that don't really know, it's, it's pollen that's, um, scraped off of worker bees. So it's literally tree pollen, grass pollen, and weed pollen that people are allergic to you're ingesting that. So if you're really allergic to it, it can, um, it can cause an actual anaphylactic reaction. Wow. All right. So I know that allergies, food sensitivities, asthma, these things are all sort of linked together, connected in some way. Um, is that, would you agree with that? Yes. So we call it the allergic triad. So there's asthma, allergies of the eyes and nose and allergies of the skin or eczema. Okay. So so I wanted to just ask, so with those three things being connected and someone like myself having allergies or seasonal allergies, would you recommend uh, someone to to get tested? Are there any tests that can be done to kind of see what things you're allergic to or not allergic to or what you're sensitive to or not sensitive to? Are you talking more about food allergies now? Yeah, so, I, so let's say I have just, you know, I have these seasonal allergies and I want to see if I'm allergic to anything else, maybe some foods I might be allergic to or sensitive to. I think sensitive is the more appropriate word. Um, would you recommend that? So I I have to be honest and say no. You know, people come in with that request to me all the time, and I, I really go through it step-by-step step with them. Um, I think that over-testing can lead to a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, food sensitivities, we don't have a good test for that. Um, what I tell people to do as far as food sensitivities goes is if you're having digestive issues and you feel like it might be secondary to some particular foods, I tell people to keep a food diary and see which foods keep coming up as like the culprits. You know, I ate, you know, you ate something, you start to feel sick, write it down and then keep doing that. And over time you'll see, oh, every time I eat avocados, I don't feel good. So then maybe you need to cut out avocados, but a true allergic reaction to foods is, you know, the swelling of the lips, the difficulty breathing, the wheezing, the coughing, the diarrhea, the vomit. That's like a true allergy. So if you're not having those true symptoms, the testing that we have available right now isn't really going to help. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, yes, we can test to food allergies, but the food sensitivities um, is the testing's not really that reliable right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a test called IgG testing. It's a blood test. A lot of people are going in for it, um, but again, it's uh, it's the numbers aren't really um, validated, so we don't really know what to call a positive, what to call negative. So people will come in with these huge lists of foods that they're that they think that they're allergic to or sensitive to, and then essentially they're starting to develop like an anxiety disorder yeah. uh, around food. You know, food is something that we use to celebrate, you know, we use it during parties, we use it to feel good. We use it to just relax. And all of a sudden, if you're, um, if you're anxious every time you eat, then you're, you're causing, you're just creating another kind of another issue for yourself that you don't need. So, um, this reminds me of something, uh, I was kind of something I read not that long ago. It's actually pretty old, but it was from Dr. Uh, from Deepak Chopra, and he was talking on Oprah about how our thoughts, our feelings, our consciousness while we're eating actually affects the way we metabolize our food. And this just kind of gets me thinking a little bit of how that could probably play into uh, your allergies or like, you know, just being over anxious when you're eating that can't be good for your digestion, for your metabolism and for the way your body is reacting to the food. Because I do think that there's this, I do think that this, the body and the mind connection is incredibly strong and that like the way we feel and the way we think uh, about certain things certainly can affect the way our body reacts. Absolutely. I mean, I talk about the mind body connection, (laughs) almost with every single patient. I'm not even kidding you because it is just so strong, you know? And so if you all of a sudden feel like you're going to react to something, I think that you can create those symptoms, honestly, you know, um, uh, that whole like, uh, butterflies in your stomach, that's a real thing. You know, when you're stressed out, your stomach starts reacting to that stress and you start feeling funny. Um, and so I just don't like creating more, anxiety around things that people don't need because we already have so many things that cause anxiety on an everyday basis right this yeah right um so just going back a little bit what would you say are some of the most common food sensitive sensitivities that you should that you think people should get tested for if they if there is a suspicion for it so again food sensitivities we can't really test for but for allergies yes you know so if you develop any kind of like symptoms of shortness of breath wheezing swelling of your lips or face or mouth immediately after you eat something you should definitely come in to get tested Mm -hmm. because it does sound like you might have a new food allergy and new food allergies can develop all the time you know um uh, the, the worst thing that I have to do, uh, well, not the worst thing, but one of the things I hate doing is diagnosing a new shellfish allergy. People love mm-hmm. shellfish. I don't know what it is about shellfish because I'm a vegetarian, but they love shellfish. And when I have to diagnose them with a shellfish allergy, I would they be basically devastated. hate me. They hate I would be me. so yeah, devastated. devastated. <laughs> I would so literally it happens. be devastated. If- it can happen at 30. It can happen at 40. It can happen at 50. It can happen at any time. Hmm. I wonder if allergies are actually. I, th- I wonder if allergies for our population as a whole are just just getting more. I wonder if people maybe two hundred years ago had allergies like we have today. No, I absolutely don't think so. Um, I mean, I don't remember ever having peanut butter and jelly was what everyone went to mm. school with, you know, when I was growing up, and um, 
And it is, you know, my personal theory, and there's lots of different theories out there, but the problem is there's a lot lot of what we call confounding factors. You know, it's really hard to figure out exactly what's causing the increase in food allergies. But in my personal opinion, I think it's like the way that we're modifying the foods, Mm -hmm. you know, the genetic engineering, like to cause um, different crops to grow faster. Um, All of those things are to me, creating foods that aren't really recognized by the body as something natural, mm-hmm. as something that we should be ingesting. And so um, that's my personal theory as to why I think food allergies are getting are I'm becoming more prominent. But there was actually one other thing that I wanted to talk about, the mind-body connection that is very relevant to my everyday practice, and that's hives. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever had any friends with hives. My mom. My mom has, has had a okay. hives reaction. Yeah. And so hives are actually like 90% of patients will come in with hives that are not related to any particular allergen. So it's not because of a food allergen. It's not because of an environmental exposure. It's literally just the release of histamine for reasons that we can't, that we don't really understand. But now we're slowly starting to see that there's a huge connection between stress and the release of histamine. And so I'm actually going to be writing Mm. an article on that pretty soon but it's, I hope uh, I didn't it's, uh, stress my mom out that much <laughs> I think I guess you did because uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I mean but to, it no. is a lot God of God bless my with, mom mom I love you if yeah. you're listening Yeah, not everyone has anxiety or stress-induced hives, but it is very, very common. So we'll get um, students, um, you know, during finals covered in hives just because of the stress anxiety that they have in their body. Um, The body starts releasing histamine for no reason, and that causes the hives. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a real thing, you know, the mind-body connection. Absolutely, um, I believe in it one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I felt like I felt like this is a little bit off topic, but since we're talking about this, um, when I was in my second year of medical school, I developed. I was studying for my board exams, and um, I've never had you know like anxiety before. Never had a panic attack before. All of a sudden, one day I'm studying for uh, my step one board exam, and I don't know what's going on with me. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm going to pass out and die. And I was having a panic attack, and for a period of time after that, even after uh, I took the exam, I was still having these symptoms uh, of anxiousness after I had this panic attack because I always felt like I don't want that to happen again. I don't want to get this again. I started avoiding places. It was the classic agoraphobia and the the anxiety that followed after, and I realized that for... A certain amount of time, I, I got into this cycle, this habit of uh, anxiousness that I was not. This never happened to me before. And I realized there was. I guess there's a little bit of neuroplasticity that plays into that too, where this the repetitive anxiousness kind of creates like these strong connections in your brain, and then you just start repeating these cycles. And so I was reading on this one day, and I said, you know what? I have to do something different. I have to start breaking the cycle that's happening. And so when I felt like that, I would go into either, I would try to meditate. And in the beginning, it was extremely hard because the meditating in the beginning would make it worse. After a couple of times, you know, I kind of, uh, I was able to kind of get myself out of that anxious cycle that I was going through. And, you know, once I did, once I took control of that, I haven't had that problem since, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, I did, I was aware that there was something like that I could control, a part of it I could control, but the physical manifestations of what I was feeling from 
uh, you know, the anxiety and things like that, they were, they were very real. And these were all because of the, you know, my mind essentially playing tricks on my body. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, anxiety, and I love how you uh, how you kind of went towards meditation because that's essentially what I recommend to my patients. I mean, in addition to helping them with medications for their hives, I really am making a strong push for people to find a different kind of way to deal with stress. You know, and um, I think that there's so much research now on meditation and how beneficial it is for our mind to kind of know how to kind of just relax and calm down and shift our kind of thought process to just basically nothing, you know, letting Mm -hmm. go of the thoughts that are causing this kind of cycle that you were talking about. Um, And it also like goes into a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy, which a lot of psychologists are using now, um, which is essentially breaking different cycles. So instead of going from A to B to D or Z, you know, with your thoughts, you kind of stick to the ABC, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to stop yourself essentially when you have that thought of, oh my God, you know, um, I'm going into this coffee shop and uh, the last time I went in, somebody yelled at me and that's going to happen again, right? Instead of doing that, you just have to go in and say, I'm going into a coffee shop, anything could happen, right? Mm-hmm. And um, just kind of stay calm and not like let your thoughts get carried away. And so meditation really is super beneficial in those things. It really does help us use our developed tools to calm our minds down, which which I think everybody, everybody, everybody right now needs because we, we are constantly being inundated with so many yeah. different forms of uh just agitators you know whether it's the media whether it's like even just being on social media too much or Mm -hmm. you know all of these things that cause anxiety for people um just normal stressors but then on top of it we're just constantly plugged in and that's it's a lot for our minds to deal with and Mm -hmm. i think we're slowly seeing that in kids we're seeing that in adults we're seeing that in older people like everyone is just really suffering right now and um yeah. There is some evidence that shows even um, anxiety and stress actually lowers your immune system. Yeah, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. You know, it's uh, it's it all causes it's a lot of stress and court. It, when your body's stressed out, it releases cortisol, which is a stress hormone, right? Mm-hmm. And that can cause um, steroids can cause um, a, a like kind of a dampening of the immune system. So, yes, um, it's it's definitely all related. You know, all of this there's all these chemical reactions going on and we're kind of, um, uh, causing certain reactions to happen that shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So let's move on. Let's talk about the big, the big elephant in the room and the one that everybody seems to be, you know, uh, talking about and that's gluten, gluten sensitivity, gluten allergies. Let's kind of dispel some of the myths because there are a bunch of them out there and, uh, you know, you see this a lot in your practice. So I'll let you go ahead and just kind of what what are your what are your thoughts on what is what's your take on gluten? Yeah, gluten. I mean, gluten has a bad rap. I I, I don't I I get it. I think that there is uh, the way that we're processing foods. Like I said before, um, maybe gluten is one of the things that we're not processing well and we're not um, you know manufacturing it well or growing it well. But essentially, you know, there is real celiac disease, which is you know where you get rashes, where you have. Um, malabsorption, weight loss, um, you're really pretty sick, you know, and there are, there are people that think that there are kind of like milder forms of it. And that's, I think where people 
like everyone started to kind of be nervous that, Oh my God, maybe I do have gluten sensitivity. Um, but it's not that common. It's pretty rare. And, um, and as far as like a gluten allergy, again, the allergy symptoms are going to be more like the shortness of breath, the wheezing, the swelling, the, you know, mm-hmm. nausea, vomiting, um, like very acute symptoms right after you eat the food. And so those are like the two clear things that we know. Right. And then gluten, sensitivity for everyone else, you know, that again, I think the food, um, diary, um, is the thing that can help us with that, you know, which is keeping kind of tabs on your symptoms when you're feeling kind of not yourself and just kind of figuring out if that might be related to every time you eat gluten or wheat. And then also, you know, coming off of it for like, at least a month and seeing if that honestly truly makes a difference in your symptoms. Mm-hmm. And if you truly feel that it's making a difference, then there's nothing wrong with being gluten-free, yeah. you know, but to ask somebody to tell you definitively whether or not you're sensitive right now, where we are in medicine, we don't have the capability to tell you that we have the capability to tell you if you're allergic and to tell you if you have celiac disease, mm-hmm. but to tell you if you have like some sort of a sensitivity, we don't have like a good test for that. You talk about food, uh, food diary and it's something I've tried out. I did it with dairy. My body does not react well to dairy. I'll tell you, I'll just leave it at that. Um, mm-hmm. So I just eliminated that from my body. And it turns out dairy is actually not that good for you. <laughs> Milk is not that good for you. You know, uh, we consume it a lot. It's highly marketed to us. The milk that's not used ends up becoming turned into cheese. And then that gets sold to us. So there's a heavy push for all of that stuff in the in the U.S. markets. Um I remember growing up seeing Dwayne The Rock Johnson on a Got Milk poster. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like anything he drinks, you're going to want to drink. Uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, once I cut that out, my body, I definitely saw a noticeable change in my body, in my bloating, in the inflammation in my face. A lot of things changed for sure. So I think food diaries are powerful ways for people to kind of uh, figure out what's working and what's not working for them. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know if you want me to talk about dairy, but I have a lot of thoughts on dairy and, uh, essentially, you know, we're drinking another mammal's milk and I, that's not, I guess it's not a very natural thing. And over time, our body loses the capability of digesting it. And that's called lactose when you're lactose deficient or, uh, lactose intolerance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lactose intolerance. And so, but it's because you're deficient in an enzyme called lactase. Mm-hmm. And so, um, over, as we get older, we lose that enzyme slowly and then we become lactose intolerant. And so the other thing that you mentioned, like inflammation of your face, or a lot of people come in and say, I feel like my acne gets worse when I'm eating, when I'm drinking lots of dairy products or eating lots of dairy products. And my theory with the, the, um, dairy products and acne is essentially, um, you know, we're giving our cow, like our cows, a lot of different hormones and, um, hormones are responsible for a lot of acne. And so those hormones, I think, are interacting with our hormones and are causing an increase in our acne. And so I definitely think that there's a connection, but I think it's more because of the hormones in the milk and in the other dairy products that we're consuming. And what what are some most commonly asked questions you get from patients in your practice? You know, one thing that people ask me about is, uh, uh, is there a way to cure allergies? Um, 
like cure and, you know, food allergies or environmental allergies. And so, uh, you know, with the environmental allergies, we can do allergy shots, which I kind of briefly mentioned before. Um, allergy shots are just a way to expose the immune system to the allergen slowly, mm-hmm. um, in a controlled way. And we know that over time, as we explode, as we expose the body to the allergen, um, it'll change the way that the immune system reacts to it. So instead of it producing histamine and releasing all these mediators, it'll just kind of react to it normally. And so, um, that's a way to, you know, get rid of your allergies. It's not a cure and it takes a while, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, you have to come in for shots weekly for six to nine months. And then after that, it's every month for at least, um, at least five years, three to five years. And the caveat to that is that after you stop allergy shots, um, patients may slowly start developing their allergies over time. So, um, you know, a third of people, if we look at them, like if you stop allergy shots after five years, we look at you five years later, a third of the people will be totally fine. A third will start developing mild symptoms of allergies. And a third will say that they're right back to where they were before they started allergy shots. So, you know, that then the, there's not, completely hundred percent guaranteed that it's going to be a long lasting effect. But for some people staying on like shots monthly is a lifesaver. You know, they just feel mm-hmm. so much better. Um, and then for food allergies, unfortunately, uh, there is not a cure right now. Um, there is a lot of research being done for peanut allergy. Um, and I think that they're, that we're getting closer to developing something where people might not be completely allergy free, but they might be able to at least tolerate a good amount of the allergen, um, so that it's not as dangerous, right? So it's not as, um, scary and unsafe for people with a peanut allergy to eat out. Um, Mm -hmm. they'll be more tolerant where they have to consume a large quantity before they start reacting. So it's, it's promising, um, because, you know, a lot of parents, um, are so scared to leave their kids with anybody, um, because of their allergies. And it's, it's really scary for people. And that can also cause a lot of anxiety for Mm -hmm. the parents and the kids. Mm -hmm. So, and adults. It's so you just brought up something about the kids, which made me think of something, and that's the whole thing about letting your kids play and uh, letting your kids play outside and in the mud and things like that when they're growing up. Because the whole thought is that it exposes them to a variety of things, and later on in life, they don't end up having as bad of allergies. Is there any truth to this? So the hygiene hypothesis, mm-hmm. that's what that's called. Yeah, yeah. Is, I, I was um, missing the yeah. name to it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, it's the hygiene hypothesis. And it's basically, you know, people go back and forth on it. Um, you can live with a cat, have a cat lick you, and like, you know, years later you can become allergic to that cat, you know? So it's not really, you can live on a farm and still have allergies later on. You know, I was born in Africa lived, you know, I lived in Africa, played around everywhere. And I don't know, I'm super allergic, you know? So I, I, um, I think you can grow up anywhere and still develop allergies. Um, I think it's more of a, it's definitely genetic. You know, my dad definitely has allergies. My mom had allergies. So it's definitely, there's a genetic predisposition to allergies. Mm -hmm. So we have to remember that. But now I think people that don't even have a family history of allergies are developing allergies. And I think that's because of what I mentioned earlier. I Mm -hmm. think it's a lot of the environment and everything that's going on with um, global warming. Mm. So you you mentioned that you have allergies yourself. So I guess that gives you a a unique compassion for your patients because you... uh, you've gone through this and you deal with it. 
Oh yeah. I have, um, allergies of my eyes, of my nose. I have eczema. I have asthma. I do not have food allergies, knock on wood, but, um, but I, I do have most, most things that are allergy. And, um, and so I do, I mean, that's part of the reason why, and why, why I went to this field. I Mm -hmm. think it's important to have compassion for people that aren't necessarily going to die from something, um, you know, as far as environmental allergens, although you can die from asthma, it's more of just, uh, knowing that, uh, quality of life is huge. You know, when I travel, 90% of the time I'll develop some kind of a rash and it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. So I understand when patients call me from another country and are like, Oh my God, my eczema is acting up. What can I do? Help me. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm all about it. I'm I'm there for them. I want them to feel better because I want them to enjoy their vacation, you know? Um, so yeah, so I, I really, I think that, um, that it's, it's a huge, uh, quality of life issue. Um, and like I said, for asthmatics, you know, it can also be a life and death issue. Um, people can get really sick from their asthma. And we have to remember that even though it seems like a, like a normal, regular thing that a lot of people have it, if you don't take it seriously and you don't get help and the attention that you need for it, it can, um, you can get really sick. Mm-hmm. What do you think parents should know? I guess if there's any parents listening about having a child with asthma, um, I think, I think when you have a child with asthma, it's just understanding all the different medications your child is on. Um, really being aware of the symptoms. Like if your child is coughing every night, your doctor needs to know if there's like a little bit of wheezing almost daily and you're using your, the, what we call the rescue inhaler or the albuterol almost on a daily basis, that's not okay. Um, you know, that means that there's a lot of inflammation in the airways and it means that we need to give a different type of treatment. We need to give what we call mm-hmm. a controller medication to control the inflammation in the airways. Yeah, um, that's a big and, one. Yeah, it's a big one. And and especially during like flu season or during allergy season for the kids that have allergic asthma. So not all asthma is allergic, um, but it can be triggered by exercise. It can be triggered by colds. It can be triggered, which are like, you know, by viruses, bacterial infections, or it can be triggered by allergies. So any of those things are going to cause an acute onset of more inflammation. So if there's already inflammation in the airways and then all of a sudden you're adding to that inflammation, that's when people, that's when people and kids get into, get into trouble. That's when their airway can close and, uh, really fast, um, to the point where really there's nothing we can do. Um, so it's really important to understand that, um, that cough or that wheeze means a lot more than just, uh, Oh, but you know, the medicine helps. So it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Albuterol will help in that moment. But if there's constant, um, constant use of the medication and constant wheezing or coughing, we, you need to let your doctor know that's, that's the biggest message that I give to all my parents. Great. Thank you. Dr. Gupta, for our last question, I always ask my guests, you know, what does beyond medicine mean to you? And you're someone who I definitely think goes beyond medicine. And these are the kind of people I like to bring on here um, because I like to bring on doctors who are open-minded, who are open to exploring and uh, really care about their patients. So you have this idea about, um, I guess, the mind-body connection and how that affects our bodies physically. And I would just love to hear what beyond medicine means to you. I think beyond medicine, I mean, there's a, there's like this whole integrative component into medicine, not alternative, but just integrative, just kind of, um, you know, understanding that lots of different aspects of our life affect our health. And I think 
that to me, that that's kind of what I think of when I think about beyond medicine, at least as far as the patient's concerned, you know, I also think about your podcast in other ways, like beyond medicine. I think of all the other things that doctors are doing with their life and, you know, different interests that they have and all these things, um, that people are doing beyond just, um, you know, Uh, treating patients, just kind of figuring out other ways that we can help our communities, whether it's through activism, whether it's through, um, you know, donating our services abroad. Um, There's just so many things that we can do as doctors, um, political, all these, all these things, you know, that we need to be aware of and awesome active in. Awesome. So how can people connect with you? Um, where, whether it be on social media, whether it be finding you in New York city, um, if they want to see an allergist and immunologist, how can they find you? Yeah. So, I mean, on social media, I am NYC doctor. Uh, and, uh, in New York city, I work on the upper West side with a company called ENT and allergy. So you just type in ENT and allergy, come in New York city and you'll find us. Um, but yeah, you can definitely follow me on NYC doctor. Awesome. And that's on Instagram, right? Yep. That's on Instagram. And on Facebook, I'm just Pyle Gupta MD. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Gupta. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And I learned a lot. And I hope uh, our listeners did too. So thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Hey, podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope we brought you some practical, good advice that you can apply to your life. Guys, if you could please do us the favor of sharing this telling people about it, leaving us a comment, subscribing, all that will help us grow and will help us spread our message. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can go to our website and click support and it will help us grow this podcast and continue doing what we are doing and bringing you more high quality guests like the one you just heard. Thank you guys. Peace.